Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to our Hawks Insiders Player Review Podcast. Uh, it is barely, what is the time? It's barely an hour and a half after. A great day at the footy in Launceston for Hawthorne. 18-9-117. Defeated the Brisbane Lions 17-12-112. 100, uh, a, a great win by Hawthorne. They were challenged up four goals down uh, at various twice, once in the first quarter, again in the third quarter found a way to come back and win lots of great individual performances that we will go through a few players. Rebounded well. Coach, I thought, was terrific. We'll get to all that. Hello, Darren Levine. Hi, Ash. Um, yeah, terrific win. Love an unexpected win. Um, just absolutely did not see that coming and uh, really loved every minute of it. I think it's probably our best win for the season as much as I love the Geelong game. And as a special treat to everyone, Andrew Weiss, unavailable. So Brad Klebanski, our usual star of the Thursday night safe spaces, off the bench tonight. Rankings, I'm expecting nobody to get more than four, Brad. Oh, it is a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be here. Great to fill in. I think I'm the perfect sub. I agree with Daz. I reckon this was better than the Port game and better than the Geelong game. To be four goals down against arguably the second best team in the competition and to win was incredible. Great effort. And the best thing about the win, which I'm sure we're going to touch on was it was an even team effort. A few players stood out, but at overall, that was the most impressive thing for me. Just everyone seemed to play their roles today. I thought I, said, I thought the coach was exceptional today, but we'll get to, as we talk to the players, um, we'll talk about some of the, uh, what the Hawks did in the coach's box that I think played a big part in the win. So you know the deal, I'll run through the players, you give them a rating out or a rating out of 10 and we start always because he's number one for Hawthorne. Harry Morrison, four disposals, he had four marks, two tackles, kicked a goal. He uh, made that half and half uh, where he spent his time on the ground, uh, 79% disposal efficiency. Two of, the, two of his uh, possessions were contested. Uh, three turnovers, two intercept um, possessions. Uh, he took four marks, as I said. He did not have a centre bounce of tennis, so it's not really his go. Two inside 50s, a rebound 50. We'll start with you, Daz. Yeah, I, I thought Harry was, um, you know, kicked that really important goal, missed a really important goal as well, which I think probably would have affected his rating had we lost, gone on to lose that game. But a typical Harry Morrison performance. And I thought he was pretty solid. I actually think he stuck his tackles for the first time in a while too. So um, I'm going to give him a six. thought he was a good contributor. And you were saying, Brad, before how it was an even team performance. I think he had a few important cameo moments in that game and um, just continues to be an important role player. Number two for Hawthorne, Mitch Lewis. And uh, he is in... He's in some form. 99 disposals, but he took four marks, a tackle, kicked four goals straight, 89% disposal efficiency, five of his uh, possessions were contested. He had um, seven score involvements, four marks, one of which was contested, 208 metres gained. Uh, he had uh, one ruck contest. Brad, um, I saw a stat before that... Uh, Apparently, only Kurnos averaging more goals a game in the AFL this year. And, of course, you are being the closet of Carlton fan that you are. Uh, you must be impressed with Mitch Lewis uh, today and over the course of the season. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we missed him for those three games where he didn't play after he did his at hamstring booting that goal against uh, Geelong at the end of the game, which cost us. He was brilliant. I'll give him a, a eight and a half. Uh, can I give a half point? I think yes, you, it was a yeah. little quiet, I thought, you know, in the first half. But as the game went on, he came into the game. He played against a very good uh, opponent in Harris at Andrews, who's one of the best uh, defenders in the game. But the best thing about uh, Lewis uh, this season is he's been kicking goals at important times. He presents well all game. He showed really good signs, you know, a couple of seasons ago. He had his shoulder injuries, hub life he seemed to struggle with. But he's our best uh, forward now. And to think, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, Ash, he was a pick in the 70s in the draft. Yep. And when he got drafted, because of his name, Mitchell Lewis, 
uh, after Clarko decided to trade Sam Mitchell to West Coast and Jordan Lewis to Melbourne. We all thought it was a bit of a joke. But he was by far our best forward today. He is our best forward for our team, and he's crucial. If he can, you know, get consistency in his game in terms of playing, you know, he's already one of the best forwards in the league this season. But how old is he? Be 22, 23? Probably 23, 24. Yeah, so he's still only going to peak in probably, you know, two or three years' time. So... Impressed with Mitch. I give him an eight and a half only because I thought he was a little quiet at the start, but our best forward for the day. Dermot Barron says he's going to be a monster. He's got two more years to go into physique, and by the time he's 25, so what is he now looking at? Uh, he is 23. By the time he's 25, he'll have grown to his body. He could be a, he could be a monstrous key forward, and uh, yeah, he could be he could be Tom Hawkins. Tom Hawkins like the Hawthorne for the next 10 years. The goal he kicked that after the uh, running too far free, uh, free kick against Brisbane that uh, kicked the goal from outside 50 was just, that was imposing. That was the sort of goal that breaks opposition hearts and makes you think uh, this guy, this guy's a keeper. So it was a great performance. The next player for Hawthorne is number three, Tom Mitchell. Um, Sam Mitchell said before the game, well, I said this week that uh, he needed the week off last week against Richmond. He came back to training full of bounce and energy and that he's going to start in the middle and he's probably going to play very well. Well, the coach is a very smart man because Tom Mitchell had 36 disposals, 11 kicks, 25 handballs, five marks, seven tackles and a goal. When at 69% disposal efficiency, I've just lost the stat now. Um, so... Talk about yourselves. Uh, how, do, how do you write them down? So I'll get a few steps up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I think the key stat there is nine clearances. And um, whatever Sam Mitchell said was 100% proven today, I, th- I thought he was back to the Tom Mitchell of old, shook off whatever mysterious flu that he had or that the club kept under wraps for whatever reason. And just, you know, back to winning the footy, which is just what we've been desperately crying out for for the past couple of weeks. Obviously, I'd like to see that kick-to-handball ratio, um, you know, more in the kick column and a few more metres gained. But kicked an important goal, um, won the footy and can't really ask for much more from Tom. Absolutely. Brownlow medal form, had seven tackles, played more in the midfield. I know Sam spoke about it the week off. He was going to get him uh, refreshed. I think coming up against the midfield like uh, the Lions, They've got Neil, Lyons, uh, McCluggage, who unfortunately did a hammy and got subbed out. They rotate a few other guys through there. He needed to play a strong game in the midfield, especially with how down our midfield's been. When you look at the stats, you know, back at back um, at after this game, we did st- unfortunately struggle again in the midfield where it counted. We lost hit out 71 to 26, I think, which is a thrashing. Centre clearances, we lost it again. Uh, but overall clearances, we matched the lines. I'm sure we're going to touch on it. It was our back line again. It was a good team at effort and everyone played their roles, but our back line again, particularly Sicily and uh, Dimmer at Hardwick, who I believe got us over the line today. We'll get to them shortly, Brad. Um, you also had 20 contested possessions and looked really bad those first 10 minutes of Brisbane were getting the ball out of the middle with ease. But once Hawthorne started, once Newcomb, who we'll get to as well, once Mitchell and Newcomb went to work and got first use of the ball out of the middle, the complexion of the game really changed. Uh, rating, Darren? Um, yeah, I'm going to give him eight and a half. I thought it was, was great. Yeah, was you a bit harsh? I would have gone the, I would have gone the nine myself. Yeah, I was going to give him uh, nine. I was going to give him uh, nine and a half. I don't know whether you know. I don't know where the line was. I don't know whether we were, we were going that high, but um, <laughs> we always bump a half after a win. Jarman Impey, uh, number four for Hawthorne, 17 disposals, a mark, no tackles, 77% defensive half, 65% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, five turnovers, five intercept possessions. Um, he had 278 metres gained. Uh, Brad? Yeah, played his role. I don't think he was a standout, but when you look at Brisbane's team on paper, they were without Danaher and McStay. Probably with Hipwood coming back from an ACL, McStay and Danaher were their two best forwards this year. But their small forwards are arguably the best in the league. 
Charlie Cameron, Link McCarthy, Dane Zorko spent a bit of time there. And Zorko was uh, matched up on the... Uh, Impey was uh, matched up on Zorko quite a bit when he went forward. Um, I think he played a solid game. I think last week he was probably better. Uh, I think since he came back from his injury, he missed a lot of footy. It's taken him a few weeks to get back into it. I thought he was solid. I'd give him just above a pass. So I'd give MP a five and a half. Very good. Number six is the captain of Hawthorne, James Sicily, 24 disposals, which was 19 kicks by handball, seven marks, two, seven marks, two tackles. And I keep doing this. I keep losing him. Uh, uh, Daz? My yeah, stats up. 11 intercepts, um, just an incredible all-round game back there. And just, I, I, I don't know if there's any player that kind of reads the footy as well as James Sicily. He just seemed to be Johnny on the spot every time the ball came back there. And just such a smart footballer, works as player under, under the ball. Um, just, I think, um, who, who was, it was Hipwood. Hipwood. He played on the Hipwood. I didn't even realize Hipwood was no. Until... He destroyed Hipwood. Absolutely. And with Danaher and McStay out, with Danaher and uh, McStay out, Hipwood was their key forward today. And yes, he's coming back from an ACL, but he's really tall. He's at agile. Sicily plays, you know, a lot bigger than he is. And I agree with Daz. At the moment, I'd say Sicily's probably the all. You know, he'd be in the All Australian back six at the moment. Uh, it's not only his ability to get the ball, but as Daz said, he uh, marks it so well. And for the size he plays, he often outmarks bigger at opponents. He's, you know, he sort of plays a similar role to Darcy Cameron at Collingwood. Sorry, Darcy Moore at Collingwood, but Darcy Moore has the size. Sis doesn't. Um, and being the captain, we saw how poor he played against uh, the Bombers. Um, he was played a really good second half against Tom Lynch last week. And he bought the form uh, this week. So, uh, yeah, and I'm with Daz. I, other than Mitchell, um, who I thought was, you know, probably our second best sis, in my opinion, uh, won us uh, the game. And I thought he was our best player, best on ground. Who's doing the rating? Who, who's Daz gets to give the score? I'm going to give him a nine. Well, he had 665 metres gained. He had, um, he took four, he took three contested marks. He had 10 rebound 50s, two inside 50s. Uh, 12 one percenters. It was a terrific game from Sicily. He's in absolutely rare form. And again, just underlining how much he was missed by Hawthorne over the previous 12 months when he didn't play, he would be a walk up start at the moment in the back six of uh, the all Australian team. Sam Frost uh, had nine disposals. He kicked a goal, which we want to discuss, 66% of his time in the offensive half. So there you go, 78% disposal efficiency, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, five contested possessions, five score involvements, 129 metres gained. Um, Into the when Campbell Brown said that they might, uh, he's trying to sort of make out like he was just sort of, you know, uh, just specu- wildly speculating that uh, Frost would play in the forward line, but he obviously had a tip off or smell from somebody because sure enough, it broke and bounced. Frost went forward. He kicked that goal. Um, played a terrific game, I thought. Uh, understated game, but a, a, a terrific game. And he kicked his first goal apparently in five years of uh, league. His first goal fourth on his first goal since 2017 when he's playing for Melbourne. Yeah, it's an interesting move by uh, Sammy to put Sam Frost forward. But as we've spoken about, there wasn't a matchup for him in the Lions forward line without McStay or Danaher there. So, uh, you know, they obviously picked him in to play uh, this week. He's a leader. You can see how much the players uh, love him. Um, he's experienced. Uh, his first half was really, really strong. He took a couple of great contested marks. As Ash said, he obviously uh, kicked a goal was quiet in the second half, but, you know, he definitely gets a pass. I'd probably give him a six. I think he played just better than a, you know, a passable game, obviously kicking his first goal in a, you know, in a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'll give him a six. Chankwath Gia, back in the side after four weeks, 12 disposals. He took uh, four marks, four tackles, 82% in the defensive half, 83% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. He um, had 300, 
metres exactly gained. Uh, he had uh, what have we got? Uh, one goal assist, two score involvements. A couple of really good dashes out of the back line early to show that he was back. Probably did fade a little bit after a bright start. First game in a month, he, he needed the run. But just they're a better side when he plays. He causes the opposition uh, to have to plan, you know, think about deploying their uh, defensive forward to deal with him because he can cut a team up if you don't give him enough attention. Just, they just again, they've won now, I think, what's that, four out of... He's played six games, Hawthorne, this year. They've won four. So that would uh, give you argument he's actually one of the most important players in the team, Des. Yeah, between CJ, Jai and Dylan Moore, those are the real barometers of this team. And I think CJ, obviously a bit rusty coming back from that extended spell, but he just showed why he's so important to this team, especially in that first quarter when he just took off from half back and then I think he hit wing guard um, in open space and that led to a goal. And I, I, I just... You know, if he if he can stay in the side, we're, we're, we're probably we're probably going to. I'm not going to say win games more than we lose, but we'll we'll win a few more games for the end of the year if CJ stays fit. It's just so important to us. So I'm going to give him a. It's a it's a tough one because I think he really faded. Um, yeah, he was quiet. I'm going to give him a five and a half. Yeah, I would have given him a five. I think he gets a pass. He's an important player. I think what he's worked on. I might be wrong. But I think defensively, he's working on his game. I think he's become better. His body work, like we all know how good he is as an offensive player. But again, today, against a really strong batch of small forwards, similar to Jarman at MP, he was often matched up against Zorko when he played forward. And I thought he held his own. Um, Link McCarthy as well, he spent some time on him. So important player. Yes, he was quiet. He'll start to get more of the ball. But because we've got so many strong runners across the half-back line, he doesn't have to be that player that needs to get 25-plus uh, possessions. So definitely a passable game. He'll get more of the ball as the weeks go on because he's coming back from an injury. But, yeah, important player, needs to stay fit for us to, you know, compete against um, the better sides in particular. Number 10, Jaeger for you, Brad O'Meara. 18 possessions, 18 disposals. Uh, no marks, five tackles. Uh, he did not score. Uh, mainly defensive half, 67% disposal efficiency, 11 contested possessions. He had um, he, 324 metres gained, four clearances, one centre clearance, three stoppage clearances, uh, five tackles, as I said. Um, how did you rate his game? Uh, re- real, really good first half. I thought he set the tone when we went behind it early on. Uh, zero marks is a bit of a worry. It doesn't, you know, like for a player like Jager, he obviously, I don't know how that's even possible because he spends a bit of time forward, plays in the midfield. Look, I, I don't want to be that that uh, guy. He played a solid game, but unfortunately for O'Meara, he is now way behind the pecking order in our midfield. And as Sam's spoken about this year, is slowly being phased out. And when we've got our fully fit team, we've got a few guys that injured at the moment. He'll always be in our best 2022 20, players. But I just don't think he's, I don't think he does enough. Like he's a solid player, but the harsher reality is he's a B grade uh, midfielder. And that's about it. So I give him a pass. I'd give him a five. You guys might think he played better than that. But yeah, I just think he's an. I just think he had an average game. Actually, they find a role for him though, don't they? They find a way to use him every week. His, his versatility, I think, is important. I think his strength of the contest is actually important. Yeah, he's a strong. Yeah, he ran he's, the game. And he ran the game out. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure how many games he's played. Has he missed a game this year, Amira? No, but he'll be rest. We know he gets uh, rested a couple of times. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh because I expect to, I expect uh, more from him. Like he's had a few solid games uh, this year, but like he still should be like Omira should be our number one uh, midfielder, but or maybe him and Tom Mitchell they're a bit different. Jaeger's Tom's more of an inside. Jaeger can play inside and at outside, but. Has he kicked many? Like he's been playing as a forward. How many goals has he kicked uh, this year? Maybe two or three. 
And he doesn't spend yeah. a lot of time in the midfield. He spends more of his time in the forward line. So is he playing as a negating forward on the opposition, one of the opposition's better defenders? Is he playing as an attacking flock? What's his role? Well, I think that's that's the point, Brad. I think the point is that he doesn't have it. He has Mitchell. The, the coaches look at the matchup for the week and say, how can we best deploy Jager? Sometimes it's just another body for Mitchell. I mean, the Geelong game, you know, it was hugely understated in the last game, last quarter of the Geelong game. He played on Tom Stewart and cut him right out as Hawthorne kicked four goals to nothing in the last quarter. So they find a role for Amir. I think he's a smart player. They've worked out he's not the, the burst isn't quite there anymore because of the knee injuries and wear and tear, but they're finding a way to use his strength and his smarts. So I, I think, I think they're pretty good. I, I think I, was, I thought his first four or five weeks were, well, just okay, but I think he's had a really good month. Even though yeah, the team wasn't winning, I think he's had a good yeah. month. To be fair, he was probably our, you know, probably our best player in the second half against our, the Bombers. He was one of the only guys who ran out uh, the game and really, you know, tried his guts out in the in uh, that fourth quarter, which happened to be a disaster. Um, look, it's probably just because you know I'm disappointed at what he's provided for our club since we what we gave up to bring him in. Um, he he seems like a you know his leader. The players seem to like him, but. In my opinion, I would, yeah, I think he gets a pass for today and I'd give him a five. But, yeah, you guys probably think more of a six and a half to a seven. Well, I think he's probably one of his better games for the year. And I think it's just about adjusting expectations. Yeah, absolutely. It probably is. I just think my expectations for him are a lot higher than what he's uh, delivered up for the club. Number 11, Connor Nash, 17 disposals, four marks, four tackles. Uh, he had uh, 71% disposal efficiency, he had nine contested possessions, nine uncontested possessions, three turnovers, one intercept possession. He had uh, he gained 351 metres, five clearances, three centre clearances. Uh, I thought uh, four tackles. I thought he played a pretty good game today, Connor Nash. I thought when they had to, again, that first, after that first five, eight minutes, they just had to get some hands on the ball. Uh, you could tell after 10 minutes that Hawthorne had sort of started to even up the contest. And I thought he played a part in that. Uh, Dad? Yeah, for sure. And I think he's really important to the way we want to play. That sort of just get it forward at all costs, bash and crash, top style slingshot footy. And I think there was a passage of play there on the wing with um, maybe Lockie Bramble, where he just kind of tapped it on and they, they both sort of worked it out and we ended up getting a goal from that passage of play. And I think he's, he's got a lot of little smart taps and his ability to, to sort of move the ball on and move the ball forward is, is really crucial to, to Sam Mitchell's game style. So, yeah, I thought he had, I thought he had a really good game. Um, so I'm going to give him a six and a half. I thought, I thought he was just played his role really well. Number 12, Will Day. Eight disposals, four mark, uh, one mark, three tackles behind, 62% disposal efficiency. Um, he had four, uh, four contest possessions, one turnover, three score involvements, 81 minutes on the ground before going off with another ankle injury, three tackles, as I said. Five centre bounce attendances, which is a stat we're always keen to know when it comes to, um, when it comes to Will Day as he adds a new wrinkle to his game, what will eventually be his, I hope, his strength. Uh, Brad, how did he play? And on a scale of one to 10, you've got to give two scores on it. He's, rate, he's rating out of 10 and your concern that he has another ankle injury out of 10. Uh, he's ranking out of 10. I'm giving him a two. I thought he was probably in our bottom two or three uh, worst players on ground. I think he's been incredibly disappointing since he's come back from his injury. Uh, again, got caught holding the ball third week, third time in three weeks since he's come back. That's it happens. Brisbane directly kicked a goal from it. Uh, I don't know what's gone on with him. I don't know what it is. Uh, we saw him go play a bit on ball last week. He was pretty. He was okay. Um, the problem with Will Day we have at the moment is is these injuries are not bad uh, luck anymore. His body for whatever reason, is letting him down. His ankle injury, which he suffered last year, which ended up being a season-ending one, which was really bad. He's hurt his ankle again. How serious it is, we don't know. He got subbed out. Hopefully, the club was being uh, cautious with it. But whatever way you look at it, 
he seems to play three or four games and gets hurt. And that's been, that's happened since he's been drafted. So I don't know what it is. Um, we all had really high hopes, especially with how strong he was to start off his career. But I know he hasn't played a lot of games at the moment, but doesn't matter what way uh, you look at it, it's a worry. He gets hurt every three or four games. So we'll wait the scans. He'll probably get scans tomorrow and we'll see what those scans show. But the type of build he has, I know I've spoken about it. I compared him to Nat Fife when Nat Fife first started and I'm praying and fingers in every piece of the body cross that he turns out to be even half the player Nat Fife is. Again, I might be on my own. I don't know what uh, you guys think, but um, I think it's becoming a worry. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Brad. It's it's really concerning. And I don't think I was as worried maybe a few weeks ago, but it just, you're right, still seems to be happening. Got caught with the ball again. Maybe he's just, maybe just not not sort of, maybe a bit too confident in his in his abilities now and mm. um, and doesn't have that that kind of extra gear that 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 maybe he may have had before the injury. So yeah, I'm 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 concerned. Yeah. And we've seen with it ankles it's not a good injury to have a or not a good serious injury art to have. You know, especially with the way the game's played these days with you know how fit and how fast the game is and you know, it's a bit of a worry because if the ankle, if this turns out to be another serious ankle injury after the surgery that he had last year, like, you know, questions are going to be asked by the supporters especially and, you know, the club will play it down. But with a serious ankle injury, you know, how much can a player play as a midfielder? As a, You know, that's the position that we need him to play. Because a midfield of John Newcomb, Will Day, Josh Ward, Connor McDonald, that's our future. And Day's probably, if all goes to plan, he's going to be our best, hopefully become our best player. Yeah, I've got my concerns as well. Just to, that we can't be, just can't break that cycle of playing more than four or so games. You know, just as he gets comfortable at the level and looks. Fit. I, I, I don't think he played particularly. He wasn't playing particularly well today before he got injured. A couple of nice moves, and again the, the brain head, sort of the brain fart holding the ball. It's just a concern that he's just not getting the continuity. But to last year, you know, both the ankle injuries last year seemed innocuous. They kept him out for you know, half, you know, half a season at a time, nearly. So we'll wait with bated breath for the uh, injury report to come on Tuesday, and we'll find out a bit more. But I, I can't anticipate him making a trip to Darwin with the. Um, and then the Collingwood game, so they might just again put him in cotton ball for three weeks and then try and get him going again in the second half of the season. Dylan Moore, 19 disposals, three marks, three tackles, two goals, one. Uh, back in the offensive side of the ground, he was back to 78% in the attacking side of the ground uh, against Brisbane on Sunday. He had four turnovers, four intercept possessions. Only 40% scoring accuracy. You know, shocking shank as well. Like, even on the four he had from the pocket, we thought at least score a point. It was a terrible hit. Five score involvements, 356 metres gained. He had, um, did he have a set amount of tests? No, he did not. What did you make of his game, Daz? Yeah, well, I, th- I thought he had a really poor first half, just has a tendency sometimes to go missing and. I think, I think know, teams are put, teams are starting to put some work into him as well. I think that he's got uh, teams are starting to work out that he's an important player for him. He's got he's got to work through that a bit. Absolutely, and I think he had five touches to half time, and then but his ability then to 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 and I, and, I, and I think that game that win against Essendon in, in uh, maybe first round last year, where he kind of just was absolutely nowhere. I think Clarko gave him a massive spray. And he came back and, and did some things that changed the game. I think he he now he he won't have consecutive bad quarters anymore. He'll he'll come back, and you know that he's going to do something that's going to be game changing. And he had a great third quarter. He, he got us back in the game, kicked a really important goal, got his hands on the footy, and um, he was a really important player for us in the second half. So I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a five and a half just because he had a pretty dismal first half, but. I thought, again, 
along with CJ and Jai, just the barometer of the team. Yeah, Charles Seven did one yeah. of those features before the game. They compared him. They did the side by side. They compared him. was it Cameron or McCarthy, one of the gun business forwards. They were doing a comparison before the game with Dylan Moore. So he must be going all right. Oh, absolutely. And as Daz said, he had one possession in the first quarter, a really poor first half. But an interesting stat what came up on the broadcast was, you know, this is now round 10, and it was the first time he's kicked a goal in the second half of a match this season, which I find is incredible because he does seem to kick a lot of goals in the first quarter, particularly, and, and in the first half. But, you know, he to hear that he's that was the first game all year he's kicked a goal in the second half, which is a good thing and a bad thing because he often finishes the game with close to 20 disposals. He works really hard. He gets a lot of his ball on the wing and up by the ground. And today he finished the game despite having one possession in the first quarter. He had 19 for the game and only Mitchell, Newcomb and Sicily had uh, more. So Really, you know, the fact that he was quiet but worked his way back into the game, in my opinion, is a really strong sign and shows how he's uh, maturing and becoming an even better player. So, yeah, I, Daz, I reckon, I, yeah, five, and I would have given him a six. Um, but, yeah, really good game from Moore. Blake Hardwick. Um, this is a game where the stats don't tell a lot of the story. 11 disposals, 10 kicks, one handball. 100% time in the back half, 91% disposal efficiency, uh, three contested possessions, five turnovers, three intercept possessions, um, 230 metres gained. He had uh, nothing much else, really. Four rebound 50s. But geez, he played well today. Oh, fantastic game. Charlie Cameron obviously finished the game with uh, three, three goals. Uh, he only had six possessions um, to Charlie Cameron. Hardwick's defensive work today was really strong. So played his role perfectly. He's been he's had a weird season, Hardwick. He's had some really, really good games, but he's also had some really, really poor games. Previous years, I've found him to be probably one of our most consistent uh, players. He's probably, uh, for Mitchell, I'd say one of the first three to five players picked every week. You just know what uh, you're going to get. Oh, he has been for years. He's been yeah, since you know last since five years. And similar to guys like Lewis and Sicily and Moore and these type of guys, I might be wrong, but I reckon Hardwick was a pick in the fifties, maybe pick fifty three. He was a he was a late draft. I'm pretty sure he was a yeah. late pick. Um, I've got the season guy in front of me. Just have a look. But I reckon he, I might be wrong, but I reckon he was pick maybe fifty six or fifty four. I'm going to say. Let's see. Yeah. Look. What Have a look, it? Ash. But um, keep talking. He was pick forty-four. Yeah, so he was a late draft pick, and I think what we forget sometimes is I, I reckon Hardwick's still young. I reckon he wouldn't be older than twenty-five. So, uh, a really strong game, you know, coming up against one of the premium small forwards in the competition. Like Ash said, you know, only had eleven possessions, but I think his body work, you know, his defensive work was really strong. So. Um, I'd I would I'd probably give him a seven. Another interesting fact about Hardwick. I'd give an eight. Yeah, he he was drafted as a as a medium size forward. Yeah, he was a small forward, and he actually played early on in his career. He played as a small forward, and then Clarko obviously played him as that lockdown uh, defender. And last year was his best year because not only did he play defensively well, but he had a patch of games where I'm pretty sure the back half of the year was averaging twenty plus touches a game. It's been a lot quieter this year with how many possessions he's got, but he's still playing his role defensively really strong. Uh, if he can get a bit more of the ball, because he's actually got pretty good skills. His foot skills are actually pretty good. So um, he's a he's a really good player for us, consistent player. You know, pl- plays really hard. He's tough, which I think we've lacked quite a lot uh, this season. So, yeah, re- uh, really good player. And uh, next week, you know, he's going to get uh, Rankin, who... Last year, we played against Gold Coast Suns. Isaac Rankin probably had the best game he's had of his career. I'm pretty sure he kicked five. So another big test for Dimmer next week. Rocky Bramble, 11 disposals. No marks, three tackles, didn't score. 82% defensive half. Five of his possessions were contested. He had um, 208 metres gained. He had 11 pressure acts. He... Is just going along quietly in the uh, Hawthorne sort of halfback line, getting getting his game back. 
occasions he'll get some space. He'll 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 deliver. It'll be a hundred meter possession because he'll run fifty meters and then kick the ball. And he's going okay, but not an exceptional game, but a solid game, Daz. Yeah, just put it perfectly there, Ash. I think he's 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 building, and I think it's just a matter of time before he has that sort of game where you, he just looks like the Lockie Bramble of the second half of last year and in the preseason. So working, uh, clearly working his way back to to full fitness, and I thought he 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 did some important things there, especially in that last quarter. Um, I spoke about that play on the wing there with Nash. Um, in the link-up play, I think he, he's got involved and, um, yeah, he, he, he's clearly on the right trajectory. So wasn't a completely dominating game, but, you know, a, a solid six. Dan Howe, 15 disposals, three marks, three tackles. He 86% defensive half, 73% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions. He took, uh, he had one clearance that was at a stoppage. He had six one percenters. He, uh, no goal assists, no score involvements. Before you give him a, 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 um, a rating, Brad, it was interesting. I mean, the, the Mantra Hawthorne this year has very much been play the kids and players have been getting a game, probably expensive players like Howe. But I, I have a theory that after four losses, the coach was a little bit worried about things tapering off the off off the rails. And he, I think this was the week he decided to play the experienced players and leave a couple of kids out. McDonald didn't play. Ward obviously didn't play. McGinnis didn't play. And it was a great coaching move by. And we'll talk about it with Liam Shields when we get to him as well. It's a great coaching move by the coach to bring back. This was a game to bring, play a more experienced team. And I thought how just the bigger body in the contest and the stoppages and a bit of experience as well. I mean, he's not the world better down here, but I thought he played his role today. Absolutely. Fully agree. And obviously how Shields came in. He had 15 touches. He's sort of, he's a bit of a utility type of player. He's got the, how's a frustrating one for me because he's got the body and the shape to be a really, you know, decent at AFL footballer. But for us to, you know, take the next step, and, you know, in, say, two, three years' time, Dan Howe's not going to be in our team. I, um, I agree with what uh, you're saying, Ash. Against a more senior, bigger-bodied side like uh, Brisbane, it was the right move. Um, I thought our young players have done a decent job. They obviously needed a bit of a break. He had a passable game. You know, I'd, I'd give him a five. Max Lynch, he had uh, nine disposals, uh, one tackle and a goal. He likes kicking the goals, does be back. 62% offensive half, 44% disposal efficiency. He had, uh, didn't take a mark, as I said. He had two clearances. One was a centre clearance. He had 21 hitouts. He was at uh, 28 centre bout attendances, 78 ruck contests. It was well beaten in the hitouts. If only you want to look up the hitout stats, that would be handy. But I just thought he was lion-hearted all day. He just gave a contest. I didn't. I didn't. I thought, unlike other games, he didn't fade after halftime. I thought his effort was tremendous throughout. He, of course, uh, copped a knock to the head, left the ground late in the game. Um, it was a bubble what took him off rather than the concussion. So we hope he'll be okay. But again, we'll be sweating on the um, we'll be sweating on the injury report in a couple of days because if he goes down, then the Hawks are three for three with Ruckman out, and the worst nightmare of not, not having enough Ruckman is going to come to bite them. Next week against Gold Coast, against Jared Witts, who's one of the, the informed ruckmen in the competition. Daz, Big Max. Yeah, uh, you know, card-carrying member of the Max Lynch fan club. I just love the way he goes about it. And he's got a big leap on him, kicked that great goal um, in the first quarter. And I really feel like every time he's off the ground or um, not in the not in the right contest, we really struggle. And um, I think Cozzy's been really lion-hearted in his um, sort of ability to, to to kind of play that second ruck with Reeves out. But, um, yeah, Lynch, a bit of a worry, again, with his injury. With, if it's another concussion, uh, some more red flags there, um, and we really need him against the Gold Coast next week. I'm, I'm concerned, too, in his lack of, you know, 
a lot of the a lot of the better teams will have that ruckman that could take a mark on the wing or that be available for that get out kick. And he's not that sort of player. And I think we really need that sort of imposing player a, a, across the ground. And we we need that that guy that's going to stand up and take a mark. And I just don't see that as part of his game. But um, I, I really do appreciate his effort. And I think he'll get, continue to get better as a young ruckman. Um, I just hope he stays fit. So I, yeah. Daz, I agree with you. I'm a fan of Max. I think he tries really hard. The reality is he's a battler. He's a number two. We spoke about the Ruckman that are going to be taking marks around the ground. Ned Reeves is going to become that player in three or four years' time. Max tries really hard, um, but he's not going to be a, he's not a number one uh, Ruck. Unfortunately, due to our current situation, he's been forced to be that player. Uh, if he doesn't play next week against the Gold Coast Suns, I believe it'll be a miracle for us to win that game. Carlton lost their Ruckman against the Gold Coast Suns, and that's exactly what cost them that game. I know Cripps did his hammy and missed it. Not having a Ruckman against someone like a Witz, a Jared Witz, will be an absolute uh, nightmare especially with their midfield. They've got a strong uh, midfield now. Tuke Miller, Noah Anderson, Matty Rowell has been a bit quiet. They've got some decent players that go through there. You need a good Ruckman. And Max Lynch is the type of player that could compete really well against um, a Wits. But I might be wrong, but the coverage showed Lynch look like he was in tears coming off the ground. It might have been because he copped a knock on the nose or the face. But he spent a lot of time on the ground and he has a history already of concussion, which, like you said, especially these days, is a worry. And clubs, will Hawthorne in particular, will not uh, risk him. And I don't think Ned Reeves is going to be ready to come back. So it's going to be an interesting one. Jackson Callow is probably going to have to come in next week and play in the ruck because Lewis and Cozzy as a forward duo is really strong. And Gunston's obviously out for a while. So other than Callow, I don't know what else they do. Connor Nash can't play as a ruckman. So it's going to be a tough one. Uh, ranking days? Um, I'm going to give him a five. Um, five. Yeah. Maybe Keegan, Keegan Brooks be back. Yeah. <laughs> well, June 1st is, is D-Day. We'll find out June 1st what their thinking is. The Chad, he had uh, 11 disposals, um, three marks, one tackle, three goals. He had 73% disposal efficiency, had four contested possessions, seven turnovers, zero intercept possessions, Two goal assists, five score involvements. He had 212 metres gained. He 14 centre bounce attendances, which I must have missed because I didn't notice those. But um, he had a good day for the Sadak Nichols Indigenous round. Uh, he kicked three goals, thoroughly enjoyed himself out there. They came at important times. Uh, he torched Brisbane last year uh, down in Tasmania with Hawthorne won there. This probably wasn't quite the same level, but... Uh, he had a good day today, Bradley. Yes, Wingard, very good. Was a, I think it was a typical Chad game. Disappointing first half was really quiet. But like he did against the Tigers last week when he went into the midfield, uh, he turned out the game. He's that type of player. And again, similar to Jager, we got him into the club to perform better than he has. I love Chad. He's a heart and soul player, but doesn't do enough uh, consistently. He didn't barely touch the ball in the first half. You don't see him. And then he comes out in the second half and he uh, dominates. If he played as a midfielder, as a pure uh, midfielder, he'd be our best player by a long way. Obviously, his body doesn't it allow him uh, to do that. You know, we've seen him miss some footy again at the start of uh, this season. Um, I thought he was one of the reasons why we won the game in the end. You know, he played a really strong second half, great last quarter. Um, I'm going to give him a seven. Uh, as I said, quiet first half, but, you know, to finish the game with three goals where we won by five points in the end, uh, you know, probably was with Mitch Lewis, um, you know, one of our better, you know, better performed forwards on uh, the day. Luke Bruce, 11 disposals, five of which came in the last quarter. Um, one mark, one tackle, one goal. 64% disposal efficiency, he had nine contested possessions. He uh, took, as a one mark, 
further 14 metres gained, two clearances, one centre clearance for Luke Bruce. Uh, he's, he had uh, zero centre mounts attendance, which is to explain to me how that all works. Um, quiet for three quarters, but he was very important in the last quarter. Uh, very lively. It sort of broke the game open a bit of the Brisbane back line with tiring, and along came Luke Bruce to sort of uh, weave a bit of his magic. That's yeah, and I'm going to give him a seven just for that last quarter because I actually think he was probably one of the players that, that got us over the line. Just, um, you know, I think you, you're right. He had a pretty quiet game and just sort of came alive in, in, the, in the last quarter. And we've been asking for that sort of performance from our senior players, um, especially when games are tight. Um, and he provided that. Um, I thought I thought he could have probably been a bit more selfish there when he had the open goal square and he, and he kind of just pushed it out to the wing and centered the centered the footy. I think he maybe the Luke Bruce of you know twenty seventeen would have dribbled that one through. But um, yeah, I thought he was a really really had a really really good last quarter and and and, and really did get us over the line. Number 23, Jacob Kaczynski, seven disposals, two marks, six tackles, did not score, 57% of time in the offensive half of the ground, 86% disposal efficiency. He had three contested possessions. He gained 172 metres, had a clearance. He had six hit-outs. He had six, so six tackles. He had nine centre bounce attendances and 28 ruck contests. Again, it was a very physical game from him. Didn't impact the scoreboard, but as you say, Brad, it's important that he and Lewis are out there playing as many games together as possible, and pre- preferably not with Kaczynski as the number one ruckman. Correct, and that's a, you know it, again he was forced to play more in the ruck today than he should have. I thought he was serviceable. I'm going to give him a pass. Six tackles is really really good for someone like our Cosy. Uh, no goals, you know. He's, not a worry because he, again, was forced to play in uh, the ruck. If Ned Reeves was playing, you know, Cozzy would be that number two key forward, which I think he needs to be. Uh, seven possessions, quite, you know, quite only two marks, but competed really well. I'll give him a pass. I'll give him a five. Denver Granger Barris had 11 disposals, uh, two marks, four tackles. Again, it doesn't always tell the story of the stats with him. Went at 91% disposal efficiency, had nine contested possessions, which is a, a good involvement, four score involvements, um, 273 metres gained. I would say that he was, today was one of those games where he looked comfortable at the level. And I thought he was a bit, played a really important role in the back line, Dad. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think that the stats really tell the, the true story there. He took some really good contested marks. Um, just his attack on the footy and his aggression, I thought was important. His vision as well to to kind of hit a hit a pass and go for a pass that may not be the safest option. I think that's what puts him apart from the Kyle Hardigans of the world and those sort of you know typical full you know fullbacks who can't really. Um, do anything more than a 20-meter chip kick to a player that can really use it. So I think that's that's a real asset um, in his in the way that he distributes the footy. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was you know he had a pretty tough assignment last week against the Tigers and um, maybe didn't have as, uh, that 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 difficult matchup this week. But I thought he did his job really well and um, was a really key player down back for us. So yeah, I'm going to give him a six and a half. I thought it was great. William Shields, he had um, seven disposals, five, uh, five kicks, two handballs, two marks, three tackles. He kicked a goal, 57% offensive, uh, half of the ground, 100%, 100% disposal efficiency. But he had a role today. He pretty much tagged. Who did he tag? He tagged. Uh, Lockie Neal uh, in the Lockie second Neal. half. Yeah, second half on Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal had 25, Norman has 32. Lockie Neal was the most dangerous Brisbane player on the ground in the first half. Every time Hawthorne uh, got close, Brisbane would hit the front again, usually through uh, a piece of play initiated by Neal. So a fine shutdown job from Shields in the second half. That was his value, uh, the value he brought to the side. He's not going to play too many more games, you wouldn't think. But it was, an, as I mentioned earlier, inspired selection from the coach to bring in precisely the sort of game that he needed to play, and he played really well. 
Ash, fully agree. You won't find too many better seven disposal games. I thought Liam Shields played his role to perfection. Lockie Neal was one of the best players on the ground in the first half. I know I texted in the group, I said, send Nash to Neil because Connor Nash spent a bit of time on him. Not a hard tag in the first half, but was beaten. And similar to Dan Howe, the selection of Shields, I think we've spoken about this um, during the week at work, Ash. I'll get Shields to 250 games and then he probably won't play at another game. Um, But absolutely convincingly beat Lockie Neal in the second half. Uh, Kicked a goal... Uh, which was really good for him. Uh, and just a quick He never one misses me. those shots. He's a really reliable kick for goal. Yeah, really, just, really. He, you can back him in every time. I absolutely. Really, really does nail his set shots. Just want to quickly go to Granger Barras. Um, I thought that was his best game, and I would actually would have given him an eight um, because of the way he's bounced back. He's been, you know, struggled the last few games he's played. I know he was arrested a few weeks ago, but... Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. So I give Granger Barras an eight. I give Liam Shields a seven because by holding Lockie Neal to probably, that was probably Neal's quietest game of the year. I reckon Neal's had over 30 in just about every game bar a few. Um, And I think stopping Neal in the second half when we win by five points went a long way to us winning the game. So I'll give Shields a seven, probably because he was really quiet in the first half and didn't really have a role. But his lockdown on Neil in the second half helped us win the game. Um, Kyle Hardigan's stat sheet <laughs> coming on the last quarter as a sub. The Donut King. He, he played, he's on for 37 minutes. <laughs> he had two one percenters, and that is it. Um, yeah, that was um, bizarre. It was a bizarre. And, we pro- uh, yeah, we probably shouldn't touch too much on this. Daz, uh, you can give him a rating, but. Oh. I'm going to give deduct some points from Sam Mitchell's co-trading for him as the star. I'm not really sure what he was thinking there. Like, surely he would go Conor McDonald, Finn McGuinness, just anyone except Kyle Hardigan. That is not the game. Literally, the last player on our list you would put as the Medi sub. Like, yeah. there was like zero. Like, there couldn't have been a single positive thought as to why you would put someone like Kyle Hardigan as the Medisub. And against <laughs> Brisbane, who had no Danaher or at Hipwood, they had one key forward. Sorry, no Danaher at or McStay. Hipwood was their only key forward. So like I just what could the thinking have possibly been, Ash? He's been playing before Box Hill. So maybe he was I thought he could maybe swing swing him forward. <laughs> Just be that that big. He put know. Frosty forward though. He had Frost forward. He had Lewis, you know. There he had, uh, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. I have no understanding as to why he was the medis. I thought, actually thought the way the team was picked that um, once Scrimshaw pulled that, I thought that Josh Morris might have been medis because he you know, he'd be able to come in and play two or three different roles in the team, not the uh, the one role that Hardigan plays. Anyway, they got away with it, and uh, the Hawks got the win. Sam Butler, in his second game for the club, number 30, nine disposals, a mark, a tackle, two goals, one. Um, I actually didn't see the second goal, so it's sort of, certainly saw the first one. Uh, hit the post at the end, that would have been the sealer as well, um, had, he, had he kicked it. Um, 67% disposal efficiency, five score involvements. Um, he had a clearance as well. What did you make of his game, Dan? Yeah, well, welcome to Hawthorne Football Club, Sam Butler. I think, you know, he, he probably should have had a goal in that game against Richmond. The fresh air shot, the controversial um, VAR decision. What, what do we call it? The arc, sorry. Um, arc. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I really, I, he's got a bit of, I'm not going to say arrogance, but he's got a bit of swag about him, Sam Butler. And he's he's going to be a player. I thought he put a lot of did a lot of things off the ball, put a lot of pressure on, um, and I'm just wrapped for him that he that he got on the scoreboard. And I think he's just going to kick on from here. He could actually even be one of one of the if if not the the, the best out of this crop of draft picks because I just I just think there's something about him, and I think he's really exciting. So um, I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a six. 
Yeah, I, I think he's got a bit of a X factor. It was only you know his second game to kick two two goals was a good effort. He needs to find a bit more of the ball. He only took one mark, laid two tackles. Like he's in the team at the moment as a pressure forward. So he probably, you know, he's still quite raw and small. So he's going to get opportunities. Um, he could be that player. Like that position, we are desperate for. Luke Bruce is coming to the end. Dylan Moore's hopefully going to be playing a bit more up the ground. There wouldn't be too many teams in the AFL with less depth and talent in the small forward position than we have. We've drafted a few in the last few years. Unfortunately, Tyler Brockman's out for the year with a dislocated shoulder. Whether he's going to be on our list next year is another story. Um, Seamus Mitchell's another one who I think they've been playing across half back in the VFL. Correct me if I'm wrong, Daz. I don't know why, considering that's probably where we're most stacked. Um, and we really need to find a small forward. So hopefully Butler can be that guy. We still need one more on top of Butler to come on. Um, but, you know, if Brock, Brockman was supposed to be that one, uh, but, you know, if Butler can become that player, great. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you. I'd also would have given him a six. I think um, that player, that the next in line is Jack Saunders. And they've been playing him a bit on the wing too. Mm. Yeah, it, Which is another position on the ground that we lack a, a quality player. Bramble's hopefully going to be that player, but I just can't see him becoming an elite winger of the competition. Mm. It's interesting. Hey, oh. Keep drafting small forwards and, and turning them into halfback flankers. Yeah. I'm not really sure on that strategy. Um, Butler, off of Butler, looked far more comfortable at the level. He was, he was totally lost last week against mm. Richmond, but I thought he looked far more comfortable, uh, more like an AFL footballer um, this week. So it's a big improvement to make in, in his second game. So I think he's going to be okay. Finally, Jai Newcomb, 27 disposals. Now, the breakdown for that this week was far more even, 8, 7, 6, and 6, rather than getting a whole chunk in the first half and not a lot in the second half. Six marks, six tackles, and a goal. He went at 70% disposal efficiency. He had 14 contested possessions. He had five turnovers at four intercept possessions, 12 score involvements. Uh, he 664 metres gained, 24 pressure acts, 27 centre bounce attempts, which I think I haven't done the calculation. I we have to do it before we come on, but uh, I think it would have been perhaps the most or second most. Um, I'll tell you what's interesting before you talk about him, um, Daz and Brad, uh, is that when you play a free-to-air game on a Sunday afternoon, suddenly everybody's watching. And Twitter was full of praise for John Newcomb. A lot of people haven't seen a lot of him this year. And uh, I've written this for the, obs uh, the observations piece we're going to run tomorrow. Uh, that John Newcomb for the Rising Star bandwagon has been distinctly brown and gold in colour in color till now. But I think um, a whole lot more people saw him play today and think that he uh, he might be the guy to win it. So he's got a much bigger, much larger fan club after today. Yeah, absolutely. He was brilliant uh, once again. The most impressive and, you know, biggest positive out of his game today, Ash, what you touched on was the consistency over four quarters. We've seen in recent weeks, you know, he starts uh, like a house on fire. He's got between, you know, say 10 and 15 touches, often in the first quarter, and then he goes missing in the second half. But today he ran out the game really well, had six tackles, kicked a really good goal of one step from outside 50 at an important time. Uh, once again, you know, I messaged it in our group. Uh, Tom Mitchell, you know, ended with 36 touches, but I thought Jai, who had 27, was just as uh, good as uh, Tom uh, today. You know, consistent across four quarters, matched it with the Lions gun uh, midfielders in Neil. Lions, McCluggage, and those boys um, continues it along his uh, way. He's going to finish top three in our best and fairest this year. Probably finish second behind Sicily. Um, full full praise for Jai. Uh, I'll give him a uh, nine out of ten for his game today, just because I thought today the consistency over four quarters, in my opinion, gives him an extra point. Daz, I think we'll give him an eight, but I'm giving him a nine. No, I agree. I think that was his most complete game for the year. Oh. And I think he's just one of those rare players where 
he just sees every possible scenario when he's got a footy and just has seems to have a lot more time to, to make those decisions. And I think that probably, without knocking a bloke like this down, James Warple, it just that decision, that ability to make decisions in really heated moments is just what sets Jai apart from probably most players. Um, so it's just an incredible story. And I almost hope that... As much as I want him to win the rising star, I kind of like that he flies under the radar. I just, I don't want to have like another James Warple with yep. TCM and then um, just dropping off. And um, I just, you know, if Jai finishes second in the rising star, I think that he's an underdog play and I really, I really want him to continue on and, and not, not be kind of, you know, get a big head from a rising star award. Absolutely. The Hawks have been robbed twice at the rising star though. Uh, Reese Palmer winning it over, oh, over Cyril, yeah, and uh, Andrew McGar over Ryan Burton, um, which was purely the Essendon Mafia pushing him over the line to win yeah. that one. And we'll um, see the same, yeah. And uh, do you know what, Ash? Uh, Nick Dacos has already won it. Like it's he's. Won I don't it know. I don't know. Nigman's playing far better footy than Dacos at the moment. I, I agree. How well I didn't see how well Dacos played today. With he had an, he had another solid game. He had you know twenty plus touches again. I I agree. I reckon he's been I, far more influential. Absolutely, absolutely. Hawthorne's best three players. I fully agree. But Nick Dacos has the Collingwood <laughs> mafia and the AFL uh, media wrapped around. You know their fingers like. Well, it might change after today because there's a lot. There's a lot of love yeah. there. And you can just play, like, the fact that Jai's played less than 15 games is incredible. Like, you know, he's the player that we really wanted James. Like, Newcomb's playing it at a level now where we would have hoped uh, Warple uh, was playing. Well, the other thing about Newcomb and Mitchell complement each other far more than Warple and Mitchell do. And that's... They can coexist in the same midfield far more easily than Warple and Mitchell. That's the thing that that they've got... uh, We've got a season and a half to work out Walpole. They won't, they won't let him go at the end of this season, but they'll make a move at the end of 2023 if they can't make it work. So that's a big challenge for Robert Harvey and Sam Mitchell over the next little while to work out how to make it work with, with Walpole. And maybe it might take till then 23 and Amir or Mitchell moving on, Tom Mitchell moving on in a season and a half before they can make it work. We'll see. Interesting times there. And finally, the coach, I'll just uh, talk about because I thought he coached very well today. If he's lowered his colours a couple of times lately, I thought he, he was good today. I said, one of the selections as much as anything by uh, parking the play of the kids. Uh, there were some kids in the team, but parking the play of the kids at all costs. Mantra to the side for a week. They needed a win. They needed a win with bigger bodies down in Tasmania and uh, he delivered. So I thought he coached very well. In-game adjustments were good. We talked about Liam Shields going on to Lockie Neal. Um, Hardwick, three or four players Hardwick could have played on, but he, he pulled the right rein and put him on Cameron. Um, and also the, the Sicily Hipwood, because again, he could have played Frost on Hipwood and had Sicily as the third rebounding defender, because obviously with Brisbane with their short forwards, had that option, but no, he, he went, Sicily went to Hipwood and absolutely gave him the mother of all hidings. So, coached very well today. He was brilliant today. And what I love about Mitch is he always looks so calm and uh, relaxed in uh, the box. I actually heard an interview with James Sicily on at SEN last week. And he actually, they actually asked him about Sam's demeanor and have, has, you know, Ed, has he given out any uh, sprays yet that, this season? And Sicily said he's only given the players one spray the whole season. And it was a game that they won against uh, Geelong. So it's interesting because we know how Clarko coached and how full-on Clarko was, but I think Mitchell just start gets it. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be an excellent coach. Um, I'm really happy we've got him. I think he's going to be a long-time coach for us. But what I liked was they often show pictures of him in the box and he was just calm and laughing and happy. Like it was an intense game. It was a close game. You know, we got to four goals down. We ended up winning by five points. You know, Brisbane still kept 112 points. But I think he just gets where uh, we're at. And that's the best thing about him at the moment. Where at the end of Clarko's tenure, he was coaching, you know, to lose by, say, 15 to 20 points by probably picking the more senior players than picking uh, the youngsters. 
But we've seen Mitchell the first half of the season. He's played uh, the younger players. As Ash touched on, this week he decided to go with the more senior team and it was the right move. So he seems to be judging things really well at the moment. So if we're giving a rating, I'd give Sam probably a... Eight out of ten, he loses a couple of points for picking Carl Hardigan as the sub. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. And I really love the way that he was celebrating. I think they crossed him in the box after Butler kicks a goal, and I just had that kind of look on his face, like, "Oh, we've got a we've got a player here." I just love those sort of interactions he was having with Hickmont. Um, and I was the, the frost move really. I saw saw it happening in the first quarter. I'm like, oh, I just just don't know about this. I don't understand it. But looking at Brad before sort of breaking it down, he, he, you're right. He didn't have that sort of obvious matchup, and so that was a really clever way to inject a bit of kind of dash or frost ball and frost ball chaos in the forward line. So. Okay, if Brisbane something to think about because Brisbane had the other side. Brisbane were missing Marcus Adams, so they were down a couple of soldiers as well from at the key position. So actually put put pressure to Brisbane. Saying, okay, well, how are you going to deal with that? But playing that third tall, um, it, it sort of disrupted Brisbane's back line. So no, he just coached, he just coached really well today. I think he won the tactical battle against uh, Chris Fagan, who's very good. So uh, I think you know they got a huge amount of respect for each other, but I suspect that Mitchell uh, would have loved being. Um, Faye in the battle of wits in the box. That has been it for our review. Um, pretty comprehensive. How did I go? You did very well, Brad, and <laughs> we look forward to rele- relegating it back to the bench next week. Yes. Eight point five, Brad. Oh. Actually, I think you're. I think you're a reasonable chance to come on again next week. Just quietly look at the week ahead as well. So you might be doing two weeks in a row. Um, just knowing what, uh, what's our, up our game's a Saturday night game, isn't it? Again, Saturday night. night game. I think uh, uh, we might be a bit busy next weekend. I suspect so. You might be. Uh, you might be uh, coming off the bench again. We'll, Happy we'll, to be we'll, the Kyle at Hardigan of uh, <laughs> news. <laughs> be the fourth wheel. Um, thanks everyone for subscribing to Hawks Insiders. We are one years old. We've had our first birthday this week. But happy birthday to us. Thank you, as always, for your support. $5 per month, $50 for the season. Campbell Brown's you up to another call. We're going to try and get him to write his uh, next uh, review of how the Hawks are going this week as well, which will be one that people will enjoy reading. No doubt he called the game today, so you'll have some fresh views, no doubt. Don't forget, we will be doing spaces a couple more weeks of Thursdays before Thursday night footy kicks in. So we'll be back on Thursday night. Look for our comprehensive match review online again tomorrow. Um, Daz, any last words, any housekeeping? No, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening and looking forward to Campbell's insights. Just was great having him in the commentary box again. Um, and I think he's maybe getting a few little tip-offs there for the game. Tonight. Sorry, he actually got one tip-off for sure about Sam Frost. We'll have to yeah. write about that in his column, I think. Everyone, uh, thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Go watch the replay several times and we'll rehash it all again on our spaces on Thursday night. Have a good uh, week, everybody. Thanks for supporting Hawks Insiders. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Daz. We will talk to you all again very soon. Good night.